It's Thursday, November 16th, 2017, and you're listening to episode 465 of Fear the Boot, a show about tabletop role-playing games and a little bit more. Running time for this episode is 30 minutes. Welcome to Fear the Boot. My name is Dan. This is Brodor. This is Wayne. My name is Chad. Okay. Topic for today. This is a very strange saying. So before this, we cut a negative episode and Brodor interrupted the negative episode to start discussing a serious topic, whereas he normally derails our serious episodes with things that probably don't even belong in a negative episode. To In fairness, that didn't start off as a negative episode. To me, that rings of consistency. (laughs) <laughs> in a normal episode, you have to rein me in from the negativity, mm-hmm. I mean, or should I just say the, the vulgarity. And for a negative episode, I went on a serious tangent. Okay. I don't think that's so, unreasonable all right, or so inconsistent. Or, are you, like, angling for a raise? This sounds like you're at your, like, quarterly review. <laughs> yeah, okay. So during the recording of the negative episode, parentheses S, Chad mm-hmm. gave me a look like he was disgusted with me, <laughs> and he didn't understand what I was doing here. That's because and, he was disgusted with you, and he wasn't <laughs> sure what you were doing here. And and Chad jokes about firing me. It, jokes. Every joke has a grain of truth involved. I was a little hurt and a little paranoid, mm-hmm. and so I tried to take Dan and Wayne's lunacy, mm-hmm. and yeah. I tried to, <laughs> out of control. You were out. I mean, out of control. Right. And I tried to it back to something that where Chad and I could have okay. a serious conversation so broader, about gaming. Just so we're 100% clear before we get to the topic. Mm-hmm. Do you have it all out of your system? Fear, yes. the, <laughs> Fear the Boot has yes. no employees. <laughs> it is it is a legal organization, but it has no employees. We are unpaid contractors? No, you guys are nothing. You are uh, literally you nothing. Are, I, thought, no. I thought we had it's mom. We have no legal standing, so when Dan gets sued someday, uh, as the owner, we are safe. I am an unpaid, I forget what Oh, my, you're the unpaid. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I forget yeah, yeah. what my exact title is, but it basically, I am the only legal agent of the right, LLC. Right. And I forget what my exact title this is. This was if it's like, like when you were working keeper. at that bar, and then you're like, because you're doing this IT thing for their payment system. Yeah, and yeah. And I would come and visit you and have dinner, and we'd chat. But I had nothing to do with the work. We were just talking. Yes. While you were working. Yeah. And, and you just happened to turn microphones on while this similar situation It's going something on. like that. Unless yeah. I forget what my exact title is. There is a legal title that is on file with the Secretary of State that mm-hmm. describes me. None of you are employees. None of you are contractors. None of us have value. None of you are paid. I'm not paid either. <laughs> it would be really. Why do you get the money for this goddamn mansion? <laughs> and your 16 servants. <laughs> not from podcasting. <laughs> it, but, it would, <laughs> podcasting is why he doesn't he, have 20 he, servants. When, right. he, when he walks upstairs and you hear him. You know where that money came from. <laughs> Sorry. Now we're back to thinking about <laughs> right, right, right. All right. So I'm making you a poster. Yeah. That, I am. The only, the, I've got a little laser pointer. That would be so cool. <laughs> <laughs> we could pick pictures of it and put it on the website. I no, should. no, we couldn't because we even pointing to the words that you have to know not to I, say. I, so the joke was in the yeah. negative episode that there are topics that we can't talk about. Nobody can or should talk about. Which Brodor talks about. Those are the topics that Brodor's just gravitated to. Yeah, and and so we're like, we need a poster. We need a poster that's a numbered list with the topics 
that you can't talk about. Right. I think we're up to six. Right. And like you just point to them. Like if you've got I should remove that. <laughs> you son of a bitch. So, um. <laughs> okay, now it's out of my system. Okay. The only person that I could fire, and even then I can't really fire, would be Aisha because she's a 1099 independent contractor. And I couldn't even fire her because she's not employed. All I could do is stop paying her. Right. So, um, no, Broder, you're not going to get fired because it's literally not possible for me to fire you. I just want Chad to like me. <laughs> that's never going to happen. That's... Oh. Chad's Chad's Ever. Ever. that stings. Chad Chad's very judgy. I mean, I'm not like I'm asking Ezra Veth to like me. That's true. Chad's very yeah. Okay, yeah. so Brodor, let's talk about. <laughs> so no, Brodor, seriously. So Brodor, you've been running a D and D game, or it's the same campaign, right? Yeah, we've been running it for just over two years. So all right, so two years, and we played at least once a month, sometimes more frequently, but usually not. All right, so this game just came to an end, and I want to talk about two things. One, I want to talk about how and why it ended, because it ended sooner than you thought it was. Uh, yeah, not... And not for reasons of, like, metagame stuff. When I say not metagame, I mean as in it wasn't people fighting or, or correct other obligations or things like that. It was not a maybe metagame is the wrong term. It was not a non-game issue. All right. So, and then the other thing I want to talk about is your wife had some concerns about the amount of agency you were giving the players near the end of the campaign. And I want to hear how that went because balancing the freedom of expression of a player without giving them so much agency as to break the consistency of the game. It's very much a cook to taste. There's no right or wrong. It's, oh, well, I guess it's like a spectrum. And if you're in the bottom 5% or top 5%, you're probably gaming in a messed up, dysfunctional way. But there's this huge swath in the middle of acceptable mixes. And it varies from GM to GM as well as player to player. Yeah, player to player. Group Some players group. really hate defining things in the world it breaks immersion yeah others it lets them buy into the world more all right so broder first can you explain to us how the game ended and why it was not the ending you intended or maybe what was the ending you intended so and we had talked about this on previous episodes where i had said that i i didn't know how the game was going to end and chad had had some advice in that episode about how he knows at the onset of the game mm -hmm. how it is going to end. So he knows the beginning, he knows the end, and that helps provide him with structure to organize the story from point A to B to C, etc. And one of the things that I was struggling with in this D&D game, and I don't want to get too much into a gaming story, but I was struggling with the direction of the game because I knew where it started and we were enjoying the journey, but I didn't understand what the destination was. And after some soul searching and talking to, I know that sounds douchey, but whatever, keep it. After doing a lot of thinking about the game and talking to my players about their perspectives and what their characters ultimately want in the end, I realized that the division that had been created from the very beginning of the game among the national politics and racial politics of the split party the only way the game was going to end is if the two major nation state powers went to war and it caused a dissolution of the group. Why was the reverse not an option? What do you mean? 
reconciliation piece, the just not the sort of ending too, you wanted. Too many, too many things had occurred outside of the party. Yeah, too many things had occurred outside the party in the actual game world that had been influenced by the players to move it in that direction. And there was a growing animosity inside the group between players and their allegiances that I I wasn't interested in pursuing reconciliation. I think dissolution and division was the more interesting story. Okay. And and again, I don't I mean it would take hours and hours. No, that's fine. I was just curious at the high level. Right. At the the high level, I thought that it was a more interesting story and it made for a more interesting end to the campaign. And more importantly, if I ever go back to this game world, we talked about it at the end of the game. So we had a lot of conversation post game. So after 11 o'clock at night, when the game was over, we had a lot of conversation about the campaign and it was like a wake. It was like a celebration of this game's life. It was really cool. But we talked about everybody wants to go back to that world, but we want to fast forward time, you know, 50 or 100 years or whatever. So my pitch was, okay, this is a great way to end the game. So we're going to do a zero session and a negative one session. When we go back to that world, the negative one session is going to be we're going to play microscope. We're going to the, the first event will be the end of the previous campaign. And the last event in that time period will be where the game begins. And so we'll play microscope. However, it's a 50 years, 100 years, 200 years, whatever. So for anybody not familiar with microscope, it is a game masterless storytelling game where you are looking at large swaths of history and the events and during those large swaths of history at the beginning at the end in between you can pick specific events and you can drill down or magnify further with the microscope so to speak you can drill down to them and and look at them further and deeper and even role play you know specific scenes in those events if you want but it's a really cool way for a game to build a history together so we're going to play microscope And then we'll have a zero session where we do character creation and then we'll start the campaign. Okay. So what was it that occurred at the end that memory felt was too loose of a leash? It wasn't necessarily at the end of the game. It was the overall my game mastering style of the game because I have five people at the table. Five distinct different personalities, five people who wanted different things out of the game and who had different levels of contribution to the game. And for me, and game mastering and managing a team are so similar in that we have a common goal. We have one person that's trying to drive the team toward that common goal and is trying to provide opportunity for each person on the team to have influence toward that common goal. So... My wife felt that, and my wife and I talk a lot about game mastering. We talk a lot about writing. We talk a lot about storytelling. And she's an extremely brilliant, creative person, but she does not have the outgoing personality um, or the stage presence, really, to, to run a game and to manage those people. But she loves game theory. She loves talking about the games. And so we talk a lot about games we play in together as players, games that I run. And she felt that particularly with two of the players that I was a bit too loose with what their characters wanted to do and what influences they had in the world. But more importantly, 
the things that were happening in those characters' lives that didn't necessarily impact the rest of the party, but broke the immersion, sort of bucked the tone of the game that made it a little bit more fantastic than it actually was the story that I was running. Give me an example. So, for example, my friend Brent, who is my, I mean, my true adversary in gaming, during our time break, and we've talked about this on the show too, where we did a where we did a two year time jump. During that time jump, Brent's character has all these ridiculous otherworldly adventures with you know sphinxes and angels and monsters and all this sort of weird, silly, high high fantasy stuff that his character is doing in you know quasi alternate realities, and it just didn't fit with the regular tone of the game, but. For me as a game master, ultimately, it had little influence over the meta plot of the campaign. It had no influence on the other players at the table. And it provided a level of interest and contribution for that one player. So for me, it didn't impact anyone else, even though it was ridiculous and silly and over the top. In my mind, it was fun for him. So to me, I think that it's it's a no-brainer. Let him have what he wants to have. Let him enjoy his story, particularly if it is not detracting at the table from the experiences of others, even if you thought it was silly. Right. So no, no, I'm not trying to pick. I'm just trying to understand. So if this was what he said he wanted, whatever, Mm -hmm. and it never really came up in the game, never had any impact on the game, et cetera, et cetera. What specifically was Memory's issue with it? That it was so big and fantastical and over the top. And it it becomes a truth of the world. Right. Even if you never encounter it whatsoever. I mean, I I actually agree with Memory. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'd, yeah. well, I'd handle is this is what he's telling you. Or, well, yeah, or this it, is what he, he thinks he happened. Yeah, you know, he was on a bender for a year. Yeah, and, right. He, it was pink he, elephant. He went full so, Richard Gere but I, for a year. I, the way I see comparing it to Skies of Glass, it would be like if Dan did a jump in our game, and one of us said, "Okay, I go up to the space stations." Yeah. Well, no, I think it would be even. I think that's an excellent. Analogy. I think it'd be even greater than that because, like I said, I really agree with where memory's coming from on this. Where it would be. We're playing Skies of Glass. Very serious, very realistic, super realistic game. Very tight game, lots of drama. And then we do a year jump, and I have my character, Lee, say, okay, everybody, you can, you have total agency. You can do whatever you want. Even if it's crazy, you can do whatever you want. And I say, well, Lee finds a warp gate, and he goes to a different dimension, and he has, you know, it's like adventure time. It's crazy, and there's unicorns, and everybody's stretchy. And then he comes back, and it's like, well, wait a minute, that... That's not the truth of the world. Right. And I think that's I think that's a fair point. Now, with Brent, the interesting thing about him as a player and this particular character is he was so utterly secretive mm-hmm. about who he was and his motivations and his experiences outside the party that it on a certain level whatever story he had in his mind for the most part, had little influence over the group or the overarching meta plot of the campaign. Mm -hmm. So there were NPCs, humanoid NPCs, that he had encountered on his adventures, but ultimately some of the higher-end, high-fantasy stuff that he had dictated for his character during that experience really did not impact things on much of a level at all. And again, like I said, I, I agree with memory. I mean, it could never 
impact any of the group. It could never come up. You play for years and not one, even the barest whiff of this would even come up, but it's there. Right. And, and so, that, and that precisely yeah. was her point mm-hmm. is that it is there and it was silly and it was, and I'm sorry, silly is insulting and I'm not trying to derive. No, no, Brent, and, and I don't think what Brent did was wrong. It was, but it was different yeah. and it was outside the rest of the tone yeah. of the game. And, 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 but and was I, it something that could happen in that world. So it's outside the tone of the game, but it is a fantasy world. Sure. Which would be the difference. That's why I was comparing it to, say, going up to the space station. The stations exist. There's no way my character would ever go up there or have a way to go up there, but it exists in the world. So was it a, was it a possibility? Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. So he did not take any liberties with what would be possible right. in the world. That's why I don't he think took, it's like a warp gate. Right. But he that. took liberties with things that were known in the world and assumed that he would have access to those things, if that makes sense. But no, and and I think, I think you're right. I think my wife is right on a certain level that I was too loose with him and too loose with one of my other players and the things that they wanted to do and actions that they wanted to take and the world that they wanted to be part of. That was not the main story that we as a group were trying to tell but on some level there's an important balance as a game master i'm a game master i love no and as a player i love no even more mm-hmm. i mean if you sat down and you it like john's game and said we're all going to play dwarves everybody's a dwarf you're all from this hold here are the five character classes that you can choose from you're playing a dwarf you can only play these five classes frick i am in right because confinement forces creativity right if you put me inside a box i am forced to create to do something interesting inside those confines right but more importantly i love cohesion in the party so i'm very much in favor of us embracing something that binds us all together right however Most players in my play experience, not everybody, but most players in my experience, the last thing they want to do is be put in a box of what they can and cannot do. And so it is a negotiation, whether spoken or unspoken, where you as a player at the table need to be given some latitude. I don't know. I the greatest lie in role playing games is that you can do anything. Right. Because you you can't. Because you can't. And. You know, as as hippie, sort of open narrative gamer that I am, games I write, games I run, games I played, all open and all agency and all this sort of stuff. No, no, no. G- games are all about limits. They're all about, it's not a limit. It's a framework. It's a framework that you operate within and that you explore its edges and you explore where it is and then you help create the framework that you operate in. I right. mean, it's like a game is a machine and you can make a very precise machine where everybody has to do the thing right at the exact time. And so it works perfectly. Or you can make a machine where everybody works together and they build it together and it, it's a little bit loose. Both are fine. What isn't fine is taking a box of parts and dumping it on the ground and calling it a machine. Right. Well, and that's not, and that's certainly not what we did. No, no, absolutely right. not. Right. No. There's certainly not what we did, but I certainly allowed for at least two of the guys who wanted to push the boundaries. Mm-hmm. They wanted to push that line sure. and make it more malleable than it was. I mm-hmm. gave them some latitude to do that. Yeah. And, you know, she felt that that on some level broke the immersion for her as a player. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a legitimate criticism. Now, would I go back and do things differently? I don't. No, well, I hope not. Yeah, I don't. I, I, don't I really know. hope you don't, because yeah. I don't think you did anything wrong. 
And I don't think that they did anything wrong. Right. And I think it is more important for you to be you, for right. you to run a game in your style. Next time we cut a negative episode, I'm going to remember you said those words. That's right. It's <laughs> important for me to be me. That's right. And it, it is important for you to embrace the style. Now, if you think about it and you say, you know, memory, I actually kind of like what she said and I hadn't thought about it that way. And you adjust your style towards that. That's styles evolve and they grow and they change over time. And that, that's fine. But you didn't do anything wrong. Sure. So and, and that was fine. It, it's all personal preference. Right. Well, and I think that's the that's the takeaway from at least this portion of the conversation mm-hmm. is is that you have to allow for the personal preferences of the other people at the table. Right. It's like Game we, Master is not slave to the players. Players are not slave to right. the Game Master. We're all in it together. Right. Tonight we went to dinner. We all had something different, but Mm -hmm. we all sat down at the table. And everybody ate my pizza. And everybody, everybody shared a meal. We Mm -hmm. broke bread together. Even though we ate different things, we had a collective experience Mm -hmm. in that of having dinner. Now, the other thing that was important to me about this particular situation was I have never had the end of a campaign go that successfully in terms of the player investment in conversation when we were done playing. Because there were conversations about, oh, do you remember when this happened and when that happened? And then there were arguments of, I can't believe that your character did that. I can't believe that that happened. I didn't know about it in character, but now that I know about it out of character, what the hell? And just all the discussion. And it really was like a wake. It was the celebration of this thing that we are all going to miss, but we all recognize that it was its time to go. Well, you know, it sounds to me overall like a very successful end because of the list of things you just gave mm-hmm. to describe it and because there's an end too many games don't have that well so. yeah okay so i guess we'll get, take that as a given uh, that it did have some form of definitive end to it it wasn't just this meandering you know taper off yep. but people were talking about it right not bitching about it but were actually in, intrigued by the ending of it they want to continue it that are, there is a huge one. Right. They, they said we want to go back to that world. Yeah, they, they're not done with that. There's, they feel there's more story to tell, more things to investigate, more things to experience. And while there may have been some critique about particular points, overall, everyone was pleased with what they got out of it, you know, more than not. And so it sounds to me like you very much had a successful ending to that campaign you left it in a place where i mean one of the old sayings in entertainment is always leave them wanting more because the alternative is i mean you can almost is seinfeld yeah yeah you just (laughs) you just you just go on until people it overstays its welcome and people are like (laughs) exiles people are sick of it they don't want any more of it like walking dead (laughs) yeah (laughs) comic and show and so you hit this point because I don't know. I mean, I guess the perfect place to be would be 100% satisfied, not 101%, not 99%. But that's such a hard thing to hit, especially for a group, that I guess the next best thing is to leave them 90 some odd percent satisfied, yeah. where they still have some interest, they still want more, but they are more fulfilled than not. It, it wasn't something that ended soprano style on a i give you kudos for just being able to finish because 
I could probably count on one hand the number of games that I've played in campaigns that have had a finish. I'm struggling to think of, you know, I can think of maybe one or two at most in the entire time I've played that actually reached a finish. And it wasn't that the game just ended because of something outside of the game or whatever. Uh, of games I've run, a little bit better percentage on ones I've run because I run short arcs because I've witnessed so many games fail. I do a shorter arc just to make sure I can get to an end. So, I mean, two years, a two-year-long game, even only playing once a month, that reached a conclusion, kudos. Well, thank you. And, and what was interesting is that when we had that conversation about that episode, I didn't stop thinking about the end of the game. Mm -hmm. Because I knew that if I could figure out the destination, I could calculate a good way to get there. And then some things happened in character in the game with one of my players that were going to expedite that ending or were going to escalate the conflict. And so that combined with one of my other players who is deploying in January, what came to the realization that, look, this game's going to end soon. And if one of my players leaves and he's gone for six months, if we come back and we do another three or four or five game sessions, all of that momentum is going to be gone all of that interest and energy is going to be gone. So I would rather hasten its ending and do so maybe do a little bit of sort of narrative wrangling and maybe do so that initially it's going to feel a little premature, but it provides an opportunity for us to maintain that momentum and to capture that energy and to do what Dan said and leave them wanting more. So we did an extra long game session and my game sessions for this particular group are always, it's always a family experience. You know, people have Sunday night family dinner, right? And for us, when we get together, my wife's a phenomenal cook and she makes dinner for everybody. We come over, we game for a while, we break for maybe a half hour, 45 minutes to eat dinner, and then we continue gaming. So on this particular night, man, it was just the beers flowing and the foods going and it was just, it was like Christmas. I know that sounds <laughs> douchey, but I don't care. It was, it was like this wonderful holiday experience. It was really, really cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Has what happened here changed how you will end the next leg of the campaign? Absolutely. How so? I won't start the game unless I have a firmer idea of the overall arc that I want to tell. And I'm taking Chad's advice from that episode was that... Okay, now I like you. That the direction, <laughs> the where we end might change, mm -hmm. but if I, if I at least have so... If I have a destination in mind initially, I at least know where I'm going and the course of the game may change that destination. Yeah. But if I have something that I am working toward, it will provide me with more structure for my storytelling. And my D&D game faltered in the middle because I didn't have a firm direction about where I was going. And so I will give that a lot more contemplation in the future when I'm writing a campaign. Mm-hmm. Because it'll help me. And like I said, even if the end changes sure. because the flow of things change, mm -hmm. I'll still have a starting point and a destination. And, and, and you'll find that even if the details of the end change, the flavor of it, the purpose of it, the little nuances that you had, you keep thinking about as the game goes on, stay. And when you get there, it is a different yet familiar yet better thing 
when you hit that point. Right. Because years ago, another another game that I ran for a long time that ended was my Midnight Campaign. And I knew the moment I started writing my my Midnight Campaign, I knew exactly how it would end. I mean, mm-hmm. like I had the scene in my head. And that really did provide me with a tremendous amount of structure to get from, you know, point A to point B, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Well, Brodar, best of luck to you on the second part of the campaign. Are you going to start that? So, like, no. no you got we, a friend deploying, so we, you're going to wait till he we, gets back? So, when he gets back, we're going to play Savage World Star Wars. Oh. So, while he's gone, my friend DJ, who's a fan of the show. Screw he, you, DJ. He's gonna, I love DJ so much. <laughs> I mean, he's like the penultimate hedonist. He, I love him. So, who's the <laughs> ultimate hedonist? I, I don't know. <laughs> Brodor. Uh, oh. No, that, that DJ would object. But <laughs> the point is, I love DJ, and DJ's going to run feng shui mm. while Brent's deployed, because he's going to be gone for, we don't know how long, but several months, most likely. And so, when Brent comes back, I'm going to resume running, but I'm going to run a Savage Worlds game, because DJ, as a player, has only ever played in some permutation of Pathfinder Dungeons and Dragons. Mm. And so it provides him an opportunity to do something different and nice. me to do something different. And, you know, maybe play a bad system. Yeah. <laughs> ah, hurtful. Aww. But when, but maybe in a terrible setting, oh. may, maybe. Oh, 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 savage. <laughs> but uh, so anyway, maybe after that, I'll run that world. But I don't know. But yeah, I mean, I've got I've did a ton of work that went into it. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. All righty. Well, Broder, thank you for sharing on that. Because, I mean, you've spent a game that's been obviously going on for a while. So it's interesting to hear how that concluded. As for you guys at home, have a great week and great games. And we will catch you next time. Bring me, Broder. (laughs) (laughs) This has been a production of Fear the Boot, copyright 2017. Listeners are free to use this episode in any non-commercial endeavor so long as credit is provided to feartheboot.com. You can find previous episodes and other resources at feartheboot.com. Fear the Boot is also a member of the RPG Academy Network of Shows. You can find other great shows in this network at therpgacademy.com slash network.